Hey guys, Brock Cannon here. Welcome to the Brock Cannon Podcast. I want to just quickly introduce this awesome episode with Stephanie Quinn. She grew up in Michigan and very, very quickly got into acting and modeling, was a top model for years and kind of living the life by some people's perspective, but was very unhappy inside. And you guys will listen during the podcast to this very pinnacle moment that she had where she didn't really remember where she woke up, but she just knew she had to make a change and really went on this quest to change her body, get healthy, and ultimately become one of the top obstacle course racers in North America. And she's just kicking ass. She's a female entrepreneur. I think there's a lot of points that you guys and gals are going to really resonate with in this episode. And just make sure you follow her. She's got some of the coolest photographs and videos and just inspiring content on her Instagram page. I'll have a link to that with this episode. So enjoy you guys and we'll see you in the episode. Yo, this is James Bond on the line. Who's this? Uh, I mean, James Bond to the Brock Cannon podcast. (laughs) So, So good to have you on. If you could refer to me just as 007, my nickname's totally fine. This isn't like, yeah, no big deal. Just go, my nickname's good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So 007 is uh, originally from Michigan and now resides in Austin, Texas, which we were just joking about because right now it's like 32 degrees and freezing when it shouldn't be. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, super pumped to get into some questions with Stephanie today. She is an entrepreneur, an amazing athlete that specializes in obstacle course racing. I'm just, we're, we're going to get into so much rad stuff. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm always ready. Okay. So Steph, for our listeners that aren't super familiar with you or your background, would you mind just giving us kind of the Reader's Digest version of where you grew up, kind of your path and leading up till now and, you know, just get into it a little bit. How, how many hours is this podcast? <laughs> you know, it's, it's usually one, but, you know, if you want to start at, start at kindergarten and your first memory of Cheerios, go for it. <laughs> right. I wore a lot of corduroy, some suspenders. It's pretty bad. Um, so I'm from the most northern tip of Michigan's Upper Peninsula in a place called Marquette. Um, it's a very beautiful place, but a pretty harsh place to live. It's right on Lake Superior. Um, and just, just beautiful. So that's kind of where my whole, you know, my, my upbringing took place and my philosophies on life and my understanding of, um, nature, my value systems, my athleticism. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty deeply rooted there, I think. Um, and I've spent most of my adult life away from there. There isn't a whole lot, um, you know, not a whole lot of work unless you want to mine coal or work at a bakery. It can be kind of tough. Um, and again, the the weather conditions are pretty harsh. So winters are long um, and painful. It's very cold. Um, so, yeah, I got out of there and wanted to experience a little bit more of the world. So went to school downstate and then sort of had a misfit lifestyle for most of my adult life. I was um, a commercial actress and model for a very long time. Um, And so traveled around and lived a lot of different places and experienced a lot of different things and landed in Austin, Texas and have loved it here. And this has been home base for about 10 years. 
Okay, so I, I find your background very, very fascinating. I mean, not just the Michigan part, obviously, but which is beautiful. You're, you're, anyone listening needs to look at Stephanie's pictures on Instagram, and we'll have, we'll have links to all that. Like, unbelievable country, just like trail running heaven, period. Um, but how did, so how did that happen? Like, how did you actually get into uh, modeling and into doing film and everything else? So performance has always been my passion and it isn't something I discovered in life. It's something that was, it's just part of me. I mean, from, from a very young age, I was putting on shows <laughs> in my basement <laughs> and charging, I would charge my poor family money and my neighbor's money to come watch. No, you I mean, charge? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Of I'm an course. entrepreneur. I'm telling you, this is like, this is a natural <laughs> thing for me, but. I, so my dad's a musician and I'm sure that his influence, even before I remember it had, you know, so much to do with all of that. So he's an artist, um, a performer. Um, you know, when I was little, I can remember being in bars and at venues, watching him perform in his bands. I started playing violin at the age of two and kind wow. of expanded from there. I played a multitude of instruments, um, singing was a big deal. Music was huge in our family. And along with music comes, you know, a pretty um, outstanding form of self-expression. And through that started um, dance at a very young age as well. Um, and I was really lucky to grow up with a family who fostered that passion for me and supported me. And so it's just something that I always really enjoyed. I still enjoy it today. If I if I'm not working on a film or on some sort of creative production, I look at my Instagram. I'll do it all by myself. I don't even need anybody else around to do it. It's something that I really love. So, yeah, I took a shot at that and was mildly successful, I think, um, but mostly just really loved what I was doing. Um, I never did it to reach any, you know, marked level of success. There was never a thing that I felt like I had to do, and then that would be the thing that made me somehow I pursued it because it was just a lifelong passion and I enjoy it so much. So do you play any instruments still? Have you kept it up? Do you no, sing? What? I don't practice it. Um, I can, I can pick stuff up pretty quickly and, you know, get back to it. I do sort of now, and I'm not, I'm not even sure I won't go back to it. Um, I was just, you can only do so many things at once. And so I got out of that, practice but I love music so much and um yeah so maybe someday I'll focus on that again that's awesome what did your dad play did he play everything really he can play anything and he learns by ear he's such an incredible ear it's I mean he's my dad's extremely talented I will never reach that level of talent where music is concerned and he can pick up anything and play it unbelievable mm -hmm. one of those people super yeah. jealous yeah very very cool um and then you've told me a little bit about your mother in the past she sounds like the raddest lady and it, it also <laughs> sounds like you got a lot of your healthy habits and fitness inspiration from your mom maybe when you didn't even realize it when you were younger oh yeah absolutely the way that we were brought up i mean all most all of the food that we consumed we grew um she made everything from scratch. I joke that I didn't have store-bought bread until I was like in high school at a friend's house. So yeah, so it didn't, and it's not even framed up as like, this is what you do 
because we're health conscious or we're athletes and we want to take care of our bodies in a certain way. That's just the way that we lived. I didn't question it. I didn't think about it until later on in my life when I started learning not everybody does things that way. You know, it's a little bit different. And so jumping into a life of convenience, I guess if that's a good way to articulate that, um, was hard for me in a way. Um, I can be a little particular about how that goes down, <laughs> what I'm getting from where, but it did give, give me a great appreciation of food and where that comes from and what it's used for and being able to use it for energy in a really good, healthy, responsible way. And then being extremely grateful for those things as well. Um, and then I appreciate the indulgent things in life. I think a little bit more, I get very giddy and excited like a kid about that stuff sometimes because growing up, we didn't have that. We didn't have a lot of money. We worked really hard for everything that we have. So that, you know, those values were instilled in me at a very young age. Nothing was given. You earn everything. You work really hard for it. Um, and so that created a little bit of a fighter in me. And I definitely get that from my mom. She's, she's an incredible woman. That's amazing. Um, really, really cool. And your mom, if I remember correctly, still teaches spin classes or uh, like, a bunch yeah, she teaches many fitness classes. So she was an attorney. My mom had me very young, put herself through college and then went on to get a graduate degree, then went to law school. Wow. was an attorney for 25 years um, and worked really hard to protect children. She did not have a very um, easy job. It was, it was pretty, it's a pretty dark <laughs> form of law to practice. And so she, yeah. you know, her public service is incredible, just awe-inspiring to me. And when she was finally able to retire pretty young, because she started so young, she jumped back into fitness um, and now is a fitness instructor and does that full time. <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. So cool. cool. I was just home, um, a couple weeks back and got to go take a couple of my mom's classes and it's pretty neat. Seriously. Incredible. Yeah. I love it. Um, so let's, let's go back a little bit to kind of that transition. So you got into, um, I know, I know you had some challenges and, and, you know, feel free to just share whatever you're comfortable with. But I know you had some struggles with uh, body image, being around dancers and some different things like that. Would you mind kind of telling us a little bit about kind of what happened there? Sure. Um, I think, you know, there's all of these you hear about, you know, that Hollywood lifestyle and actresses and models and what that entails and what that life is really like. And you know, a lot of the things that you're hearing are absolutely true. Um, but I think it's kind of, um, it's talked about in a pretty elementary way. Like you hear about eating disorders or you hear about substance abuse problems, you hear about unhealthy lifestyles in a lot of different ways, but really that doesn't get to the core of what the issue is. And I think yeah, I mean, when you're in that space, and it really is just like anything, any any career, any any box that you decide to step into and function within uh, has certain requirements. Some of those are going to be educational. Some of them are going to be personal. Some of them, you know, there's just all these different categories. So when you're in a space where you're doing commercial modeling or you're working on a runway, well, sample sizes are a size zero. 
Yeah. There is no, there's, you're not different than that. If you're different than that, then you're not a size zero and you're not on the runway. Like it's easy. It's one and two or three. That's it. Wow. Um, and so without even making a choice, it's not like I said, well, I want to weigh 90 pounds and I want to strut around on a runway and this will be good for me. You just kind of do it. You just end up sort of being that person without, at least for me, I didn't make a conscious choice to do that or to be that person or to really conform or fit into any specific mold. So that's where, and we can get into that later if you want, where that mindset change started to happen when I looked around and I'm like, I'm that person though. (laughs) I'm making judgments around all of these people, um, but I'm one of those people. And so I think that 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 just opened the door to a whole lot of self-awareness for me. And then I started challenging myself around, was that the healthy way to go? Is that what I really wanted? What was I getting from it long-term? What would those effects be? And I think at the end of the day, the, the answer was that I was pretty unhappy actually, and felt very out of touch with myself and didn't feel like I was being diligent in the pursuit of myself anymore. I was being diligent in the pursuit of something that was keeping me in a space that I was comfortable in that may not be benefiting me in the way um, that was valuable to me long-term. That makes, that makes sense. Uh, And how far into kind of the whole modeling experience were you when you started to kind of question the whole thing and, and realize maybe uh, it wasn't the healthiest of pursuits, like how far into it kind of were you and, and what kind of flipped the switch, I guess. I mean, the sad part about talking about this openly is that it wasn't how far in. I think that's what my life was. Mm. Honestly, I started doing this so young. I mean, like I said, I was performing. Yeah, I was playing violin at two. I was, I started, you know, acting in, in local plays when I was six or seven. And it just goes from there. So you you become very aware of how you look, how you present to the outside world, because that's who you want to be affecting to when you're acting or you're performing. You want, you do it because you want to affect how people feel in a positive way. And so they need to see you in a way that they're going to accept as positive or great, or you want to be the prettiest girl in the room. And that started for me at a really young age. I was extremely aware of that and then highly insecure because of it. Um, so I think it took me a long, a long ways into the road of my own life to be able to look at myself and judge myself based on how I felt rather than how I thought other people were going to feel. And I still grapple with that. I think, I think most people probably grapple with that. And that might be way off base. I don't think so. But, you know, I think it's a pretty prevalent problem. And then in that space in a career like that, especially during your formative years, I think can be highly affecting. It was for me. Oh, I, I mean, I can only imagine. And, you know, you just you just made me think of something like there, there's so many young girls that, you know, they want to be a top Instagram influencer or a YouTuber or, you know, just quote unquote beautiful. And yeah. I think I think there's a increased consciousness around how we kind of define beauty. And I mean, having two daughters myself, one of which is a teenager and is really gorgeous at age 14. It's kind of like, how do you instill that a person is beautiful, but that it goes deeper than just how they look. Um, 
if if someone out there is listening and they have you know daughters or hey even even very handsome sons that are like quote unquote model worthy or um, nieces or whatever like how how do you think are some ways that you can instill self-confidence in that kid that's not just 100% tied to how they look, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think, you know, all we can do to affect anybody around us is through the messaging that we give them. So obviously, positive messaging, helping them to learn as many things about themselves and about the world as possible. um, So they have as much information as they need, because they're going to go down a path, they're going to pay attention to their I mean, human nature, we want to fit in, right? We also want validation. We want human connection. We want those things. And so for girls in particular, men as well, who are beautiful, who are, you know, really good looking, that's going to get you things. It just is like, that's, that's the way that, that the world works. And it's a huge part of our culture. And so it's going to be really hard, especially at a younger age to kind of shirk that off and say, Oh, well, it doesn't really matter because it does. It really does matter. So finding a healthy way to talk about that using those gifts, um, like your daughter has, she is, she's stunning using those in, in a positive and good and healthy ways. And then the open conversation around being able to talk to them when maybe they're in an unhealthy situation, because that's going to happen when they make bad decisions, it's going to happen when they're in taking, when they're taken advantage of in a situation going to happen. Um, Mm -hmm. So just keeping an open dialogue, really exploring those feelings. um, And then as we all do moving forward, move forward based on lessons learned and information gathered along the way. And most of that's going to come through mistakes. And a lot of it's going to come through maturity and growth and your own personal decision-making. Absolutely. That's so good. Yeah. So good. So good. So messaging, you know, being persistent in the pursuit of yourself and not yourself, but your actual self, who you are on the inside and what that inner voice tells you, what it sounds like when it's speaking to you when you're in bed at night, listen to that, listen to that voice. Mm, That's so good. Do you have any practices or I don't know, I guess things that you've done to kind of allow yourself to listen to that inner voice a little bit more? Um, yeah, I think that I, for a lot of years, because it can be uncomfortable, it's kind of like getting feedback from the outside world around who they think you are. Right. You know, as opposed to who you think you are, or how you think people see you, you might be very wrong um, in that perspective. So being open to hearing from other people, (laughs) how you are, how you're perceived, how you make other people feel, and then getting comfortable with being okay with what you're hearing, both from the outside world and from that inner voice. When it pings you and you get that little like tingle in your spine where you're like, I hear you, but I don't like it. So I'm just not going to to let that voice shine through. Um, Get comfortable with doing that because even though it's such an uncomfortable growth experience that that little voice is going to guide you better than anybody else can. Mm, that's so true. Um, I'm really glad we're talking about this because I had another podcast guest this week where we, we started on the topic of intuition. Um, uh, and there's, 
there's this really neat documentary that just came out. It's on Netflix. Um, it's from this Icelandic lady who was like, like, you know, crushing it. She was an analyst. She was very left brained, very type A. And she realized that she was kind of missing out on this whole other world that uh, was based on her intuition. And it's, it's a beautiful film. I would highly recommend it for everybody, but that's so, that's so brilliant. I mean, I, I, I think oftentimes we look on the outside for the answers or like you said, we look for validation from other people when often perhaps maybe the answers are they're inside of us. We just have to get quiet enough to, yeah. to kind of hear that. And, and I know, I know for you, one of your happy places is, is running on the trails, ideally in a Michigan forest, but like, yeah. what are some things that you do to allow yourself to get quiet and, and to hear that? You know, it's funny. Um, and I, I think that I get mis misjudged or, you know, you look at my Instagram and I look like a super outgoing person and I am in a lot of ways, but socially I'm not, <laughs> I'm actually pretty shy um, in a lot of ways. And part of that has to do with the fact that I wasn't, I think I wasn't for a really long time living as myself. I was mm. living as some form of myself, but I wasn't really embracing entirely who I was. So maybe I wasn't even sure who I was. Maybe I'm still figuring that out. I don't know. So it's, a, I found it was through performing and I don't know if this is how I would have been had I not been a performer, if this was fostered through so much performing that it gets really easy to perform and really difficult to be a vulnerable human. Mm. So I feel like I'm learning that still now. Um, but so back to what you were saying, that all kind of plays into the fact that I'm fairly introverted. I do like a lot of quiet activities. I love watching documentaries. I'm a huge like extreme sport documentary junkie. I love to watch TV. I like to cook. I like to be. Wait, wait, wait. Stop it. How, how many hours of Red Bull TV did you watch the other day? Oh my day? gosh. <laughs> I'm not saying, I don't want to qualify this like in a way that people can go back and call me out on. I had kind of a lazy afternoon that day and got sucked into Red Bull TV, but yeah. <laughs> I love that. It's, it's such a cool, yeah. Go check out Red Bull TV if you haven't total endorsement. Um, but yeah, I like to do crossword puzzles. I like to go, I take several walks a day. I like to drink coffee. Um, I hang out in a more comfortable way with one or two people. I don't like to be in big, busy groups. Mm. I'm, I'm just not a big social butterfly in a lot of ways. And I think that that's helped me. I think in, it leaves me a lot more time to process um, and to really unplug from all of the noise. Um, and I think that I appreciate that more even now because my life was so damn noisy for so long. It was yeah, being on film sets for, you know, 20 hour days, days and days and days in a row or being in New York or traveling or on an airplane or on a runway or caring about, you know, what my butt looked like. And I care right. less about that now. I'm really happy about it. Feels good. Always feels good not to worry about your butt. Yeah, 100%. Right. Let it go. Let it go, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's such a good point, too. Like, I know a lot of people listening, we look at these public figures, so to speak, people that we respect in many regards. And I think we often automatically assume that okay, they're clearly funny and they're extroverted and they're very witty in public. And 
I think it's interesting because when you dig deep with a lot of them, like it's just like you, like like their natural state is more of an introvert. And I think that's okay. It's okay to like accept that, hey, maybe I'm a little more shy. Like maybe I'm a little more reserved. And I don't know. I just think there's there's a, a shift happening with introverts and, and kind of how we perceive ourselves and, and realizing that it's okay. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, um, it's just okay. Like people just need to be free to be themselves 100%. I agree. So, it, it served me really well to discover that. And I'm actually working hard. You know, when I'm out in public, I work really hard on making eye contact now, even if somebody doesn't necessarily want to make eye contact with me or connect with me or smile if I get a nasty look, especially from women, because I feel the most judged in that moment to, mm. to respond with a smile instead of responding with the dark feelings that happen inside of myself, whether that's judging them or judging myself or just feeling picked on, like in a really basic way. When I'm out running in the morning, my Saturday morning runs are my favorite. I go pretty early and the trail in Austin is just full of all these different running groups. Um, you see some phenomenal runners. You see some really great teamwork. A lot of people just hanging out and, you know, being fit and enjoying the weather. And I try to smile at every single person that I run by. It takes the pain out of my own run a little bit, but it also gives me a chance to engage and to practice some of the things that are really pretty far outside my comfort zone to be honest that is so like you you just inspired me like (laughs) I I have the hardest time like acknowledging people on the trail and I know I look like such an asshole (laughs) most of the time I have my earbuds in and it's loud and I just know I've offended so many people like I guarantee people been like Hey, good morning. And I just like silently run by looking at the dirt. So it's it's easier. It's easier to look at your feet. It's easier to look away because nothing's, nothing's challenging you, but yourself. So it's super comfortable when you're in control. You don't know what the response is going to be from somebody else that you try to make eye contact with who is or is not willing. They may or may not appreciate that in the moment. Maybe it's not that they don't appreciate it. Maybe it doesn't occur to them that you did it until after they've passed you. So just getting comfortable with being like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to set the tone for this run or for my day. I'm going to give something positive to people without any expectation of a return. Cause it really doesn't matter. Um, mm. But yeah, I got, I got feedback from a friend who I met now probably six or seven years ago. And she was very friendly and very sweet with my whole group of friends didn't really pay a lot of attention to me. And I was so butthurt about it for so long. And finally, she said to me, we had a conversation. I don't even know how it happened. And she's like, you are so sweet and so warm. She's like, I thought you were a pretty stuck up bitch for a really long time. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God, I was shocked by that. I couldn't believe it. And she's like, yeah, you're just, you just stand there all pretty in the background and you don't say hi. You don't really smile at anybody. And you just kind of look, not great like not friendly and I was like oh my god it's because I'm shy like I'm usually overwhelmed in a situation where there's so much going on and I yeah. I could totally hear that in that moment I heard what she was saying and I knew I knew it was true and I'm like you know what that is something I can fix something I can affect I don't want to be seen that way because I don't feel that way so I'm like I'm only hurting myself by standing here in the back like 
with a mean mug on fronting on people. How do you say that? I didn't look nice. (laughs) 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 Not good. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, again, it's being, being open to that feedback. I could have just as well been pissy Mm -hmm. and been like that girl, she's just judging me. She doesn't know what she's talking about. That girl knew exactly what she was talking about. And she was giving me a gift and an opportunity in that moment to choose to make an adjustment. So I've, I've worked really hard over a long time to make that adjustment. And I still have to remind myself, it's never going to be a natural thing for me. I'm going to have to try hard. Oh, that is so good. And, and I think everyone listening hopefully can take this away as, you know, get the three to five people around you that you're closest to and, and just ask for real feedback to say, how, yeah. how do you perceive me in this situation or in this way? And it may hurt, but like, yeah, that's so huge. Like that's a growth experience. That's next level. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Steph. So I want to kind of get more into how you transitioned into the fitness industry. Cause I know we, we could spend just an hour even on that. So how did you, how did you kind of journey into where you are now? I want to hear a little more about FitLink media and obstacle course racing and just all the cool shit that you've been doing. So cool. I love it. So, um, again, um, I sort of had a life of fitness. I didn't even call it fitness. It was lifestyle, I suppose. Um, I grew up cross-country and downhill skiing, snowshoeing, snowmobiling, running. Um, my, my parents were both very active athletes. Um, so fitness was just a big part of my lifestyle. And I was very active all the way through school. And then when I turned my attention to Um, acting and modeling and traveling, that life isn't terribly conducive to a healthy lifestyle, an active lifestyle in that way, or athleticism at all. At the time, it wasn't. Things have transitioned a little bit now. So that's great. And we can, that's a whole other podcast probably. But um, so when I started having those realizations through either unhappiness or maturity or just something, I don't even really know what sparked it, but I woke up one morning in a hotel room. I had flown out of New York and I was in Miami. I just didn't know it. I was there for a runway show. I called the front desk. I woke up just panicked, called the front desk and asked where I was. They said that I was in Miami. I immediately called a taxi and went and got on a plane and came home. I just felt really uncomfortable and knew that something wasn't right. And I needed a minute to decompress Um, And I think that I just hadn't felt any of that in so long. It was pretty overwhelming at the time. Um, So I canceled that contract. I was with an Italian lingerie company at the time. And people thought I was nuts. It's just contracts people don't get. And it was a lot of money and a lot of really cool lifestyle things. And I didn't want any of it. So I came home and sat for two days in my apartment by myself and was like, this is not I'm, this isn't good. I weigh 95 pounds. I'm five, seven guys, not a short girl. Um, I weighed 95 pounds and didn't feel good and didn't really recognize who I was looking at when I looked at myself. So I did know that I liked being physical. I knew that I was, I'd been a good athlete and because I was so body focused for so much of my life, that was the first place that I looked to solve the problem, which is seems counterintuitive in a way. Sure. Um, yeah. But I called around town and I found a trainer who was doing um, 90 day weightlifting, like strength challenges. Mm. So 
basically you went in and they took pictures of you on day one and then you took pictures every single week and they put you through three training sessions a week and did nutrition for you. And I'm like, you know what? This is something I can get down with. I'm going to try this. And, you know, on, on the back end of that, it was a means of taking back control. There was great structure there. There was accountability there. There was somebody completely outside of my, my social circles and friend and family circles. Um, so I dove into that and, um, I think I weighed like 95.1 pounds or something on day one. I came out of that at 118 pounds, 90 days later. Wow. Pure muscle. I had no body fat, obviously still like I was pretty shredded up, but felt really strong and felt, I felt much more confident in myself around making next step decisions after I had some semblance of order back in my life. But through that 90 day process, in order to change what I was doing, my mentality and to really dig into the things that were making me unhappy, I sort of alienated everybody in the business that I was connected to at the time. I mean, I walked away from a huge contract. That's not that's not a good look in the industry. It's sure. <laughs> people are not going to speak well of you. Um, I realized that a lot of the people that I was connected to in my life that were still so attached and immersed in that lifestyle wouldn't be good for me as a support system at the time. So it was pretty lonely, actually. I sort of had to hit the reset button and be okay with um, doing that alone. And I think that it was a really great growth experience for me. And at the end of it, I came out after the 90 days and I'm like, okay, I think I'm ready to go back to work now and figure out what these next things are going to be. And, um, when work, meaning all of my modeling contracts found out that I weighed 118 pounds, they all immediately fired me. My oh friends my didn't come back. People stopped calling. So now I'm like, for the first time in my life, in my adult life, I'm feeling really good about myself and I'm being rejected completely. Um, wow. So for lack of a better way to put this, it was a huge mind fuck for me um, yeah. because then I didn't know. It's like, well, I was accepted when I felt really bad and now I'm feeling good slash better and it's not acceptable. So where do I fit and where do I go? Um, and that was kind of the day that the real work and the real journey started because I had to rebuild I had to rebuild my life, but I also had to rebuild who I was in that process based on who I thought I wanted to be. Um, and it, that wasn't who I was at the time. So yeah, that's, <laughs> that's how that whole thing took place. And it was extremely uncomfortable. It was really difficult. So do you remember how old you were when you started this challenge to kind of take back your life? Mm, I was probably 33. Okay. So for anyone listening, that's like, Hey, I'm in a spot where I know I need to reinvent myself, but it's scary as hell. What advice would you give to that person? That I would tell you to do that over and over and over and over in your life and over again, because I'm still, once I did it that one time, like a complete overhaul, I am doing that all the time now because I didn't walk out of that one situation and then perfectly pave the road ahead of me. Again, right. it's all been through lessons, realizing things about myself, um, feedback from the world, failing at a lot of stuff. I fail all the time at so many things. 
And there's always lessons in those failures and better ways to do things. So just be open to reinventing yourself. It's like, it's kind of like fashion. You're probably not going to peg your jeans and go out and smile about it right now. But maybe 20 years ago, you would have and felt really cool, like you fit in. Well, yeah, it's the evolution of life, evolution of yourself. um, And that should continue. I don't want to have this podcast with you in 10 years and be the person who's talking to you now. I want to be somebody evolved and different and greater with better advice to give. I mean, I don't, you've said several times on the podcast, what advice would you give to somebody? Well, that's just from my perspective now. I don't even know if it's good advice. Maybe. Well, we'll, we'll do this again in 10 years. All right. We'll, we'll check. I like that. We'll check back in. <laughs> yeah. no, I, I think that's amazing though. And I, I've seen that with all the people in my life that I admire and all the mentors that I've had is like, they have one thing in common and that is that they're always committed to growing. They're always committed to learning. They never sit still thinking, Oh, I have it all figured out. Like it's always a process. So yeah, that's amazing. That's beautiful. Well, even in that, like it's, it's in line with the athlete mentality. Like you go out and you PR or run, you don't say I'm done. That's the pinnacle of everything. You're like, well, if I could do that, if I improved, there's probably still room for improvement. There's still probably room for evolution in my fitness. And, you know, you need to be open to that and you should be striving for it and let that happen. And that's how, that's how life should be too. Otherwise we all stop where we are and that's, that's no fun. Yeah, a hundred percent. And for those listening that don't know what a PR is, that stands for personal record. Ah, yeah. You're kicking ass. Um, okay, so you put some weight on. Let's let's go back to this. So you put some weight on. Mm-hmm. You basically experienced a ton of pain and probably rejection from an industry that you were moving out of. Yeah. So how did things progress after that? So self confidence was kind of coming back. You were feeling healthier. You were feeling better. Mm-hmm. Tell us more about the fitness journey. Um, so from there, for a really long time, I didn't do any kind of endurance, anything. I mean, I couldn't, the first thing my, so I'm, I, I've been a dancer for a really long time as well. And so I would go out and dance, I don't know, three days a week for two or three hours. And he's like, you have to stop doing that. I don't want to mm-hmm. see you on a treadmill. I don't want you to go for a bike ride. On the days we're not lifting, you go home and you lay on the couch and you eat all day. I mean, I was eating 3000 calories a day. And for me, that was humongous. Like that was a lot of work. So, um, I was like, well, no, I can't stop dancing. That's my passion. That's where I see my friends. It's my outlet. It's my expression. He's like, okay. So he's like, when you go dancing, you're going tonight. I'm like, yes, absolutely. He's like, wear your heart monitor. And then I want (laughs) you to tell me how many calories you burned in that three hours. And then you can decide to either stop doing it or you can eat those calories and replace them when you get home. And I got yeah. home from that night of dancing and I'd burned 1200 calories. Wow. And I was like, I can't eat 1200 calories before I go to bed and I don't want to. And so <laughs> that was, I was like, okay. And he said, if you want this to work, if you want to do this, you have to stop any kind of endurance, any kind of cardio. So I did. So for a really long time, because as I was gaining weight, and I, I weigh like 127 now, pretty consistently. 127 to 130, not shy about it. That's back, back to the topic of my butt. That's where we're at. Um, so, <laughs> and I've stayed there consistently, but it took me a really long time after being so thin and so small to be able to 
introduced the endurance back in. Um, but it's something that I love and something I practice and have loved retraining my body to do. Um, but it, so after I got a little bit stronger, gained all the weight, I couldn't model in that same way anymore. And then thankfully I got into fitness modeling about a year later. And that's something that I struggle with to some degree, but if I'm particular about the projects that I take, I'm like, I think I, I think I can be okay with this. And so I was, it was very careful. And then I stayed in acting, making films. So I did a ton of films. I did a ton of commercial stuff, um, which I really liked. It was the same type of thing, um, but a little bit more, in a lot of ways, pretty unhealthy still, but better. It was an improvement. Yeah. Um, and I also started coaching other women around body image, fitness. Um, as I transitioned, I posted my pictures every single week so people could see. I was very open about it. I still have the before and afters. I'll share them. Um, awesome. Because there is this mindset of you don't want to weigh 130 pounds. As a female, you want to weigh 100 pounds. Well, who says? Like, who the fuck spread that message to people? Right. Exactly. Like, what? I don't even know where that comes from, but I would like to talk to that person. Like, <laughs> in an alley somewhere, frankly. Yeah. But yeah. I was able to put those before and after pictures up and say, point to the picture that you would most like to emulate in your workouts. Mm. Do you want to look like that, you know, 100-pound girl? Or do you want to look like this girl over here? Yes. And they would always point at the bigger girl. I'm like, right. Cause she looks strong and she looks happy and she looks confident. So that was my way of not only, I think sort of counseling myself, but counseling, you know, women and helping them in that way around body image and how, how grossly um, misled they were and, and how they should be. And so you base, you should base your fitness and on how you feel not on how you think you ought to look. That doesn't make any sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Okay. So um, I remember, I remember, I don't even know how long I've followed you now. You know, I obviously stumbled upon your Instagram account and then we, we connected. And I remember one of the first pictures that I ever saw was one of you throwing a spear. And I was like, what the hell are you doing? Like I was just, I was intrigued. I was like, it was lunch and I dropped. Come on. <laughs> I was like, why are you spear throwing? And then, you know, you started telling me about how you were doing obstacle course racing and that was part of your training. So yeah. tell us how you kind of got into OCR, that's obstacle course racing for those not familiar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, just tell us that journey. I would love, and you're kicking ass at it. So we'd love to hear kind of the whole story behind that. Oh gosh. Well, I'm working hard at it. So we'll say that for sure. But obstacle course racing or OCR is a very new sport. Um, but it's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy fun sport and there's a huge community attached to it. So the sport of obstacle course racing registrations were greater than uh, marathon, half marathon and triathlon combined. So, wow. and the cool thing about this sport is that anybody can do it. Anybody. It doesn't matter. You get up off your couch and you can go register for one of these things and you can go through them. You can go through them as a team. You can have people help you. And then on the other end of it, it's one of the most extremely competitive sports. I mean, we have Olympic level athletes competing in these races and it's, it's incredible. Um, Spartan race is one that people are, are pretty familiar with. And then world's toughest mutter 
from the Tough Mudder brand just happened. So that's on everybody's radar right now as well. And these are pretty extreme. Um, not all of them, but even at their at the most basic level, it's a more extreme form of racing. And the thing that I think that I loved the most about it is that it combines strength, agility, speed, and endurance. All of you need all of those elements in place in order um, to be effective in the racing. So it's a huge challenge, but it's a lot of fun. So, you know, I don't want to go run on a flat road for 10 miles. Like I'm gouging my eyes out. That's why I prefer trail running because it's more dynamic. There's things to look at. It's you're usually, it puts you in a lot of beautiful places. Um, I far prefer vertical running and inclines and hills up or down um, as opposed to flat, even if it's a trail. So everybody has their thing and obstacle course racing takes place in all of these different environments. Um, There's always water, there's always mud. So then they even introduce (laughs) more challenges to the obstacles on top of that. So it's just something that's for me really easy to be passionate about because it pushes my comfort zone in almost every single way, like crawling through dark places, being alone on a mountain in the woods, um, having to jump off of things that are really high or hold on to rings when the ground, you can't even see the ground. It's so high. Like it's wow. there's a, a lot of ways that it challenges you. And I think it's also beautiful to see the community and the participants and people who haven't run their entire lives come out and defeat one of those things. It's, it's pretty emotional. It's very cool. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, the growth in these races has been absolutely stunning. Yeah. Um, and, and it makes sense. And, and it's, it's cool. And, and look, I, I haven't done one, you know, maybe 2019, I'll put one on my radar just to totally get out of my comfort zone. Um, yes. like, I think that's, um, I think, I think it has an element of variety in it. That's really attractive to people. Cause I see the way you train and it's like, you're not doing just one thing. Like you, you're like, walk us through a typical week of like some of the types of workouts that you're doing. Cause it's, it's all over the map. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's all over the map. Every single day is a little bit different. Um, I've been upping my running mileage quite a bit lately. So I'm doing pretty close to 50 miles a week consistently, um, running. And that doesn't include the miles that I put on the treadmill, which is where I do my consistent, um, vertical training. So, um, my training programs, usually when you're on the treadmill, if you're working vertical, it's 15% incline, at least going up to 30, depending on your treadmill for 15 minutes at the low end at a time. Um, and then we train based on heart rate. So everything's 100% based on where your heart rate is. And that's kind of how you learn to adjust your speed for things. Yeah. Um, And for people who don't do heart rate training, just think about, you know, at the basic level, it's if you're doing this and you can have a conversation, your heart rates where it should be, if you're just out of that space of being able to have a conversation. And then if you're, you know, heaving and struggling to breathe. So there's, there's those different levels of training. Um, And then it's, it's all pretty dynamic cross training. So we're running uphill on the treadmill, jumping down, doing however many burpees, pushing a really heavy sled running around with weights, doing box jumps, and then back on the treadmill, doing pull-ups. Um, so there's a lot of different elements because, again, for obstacle course racing, you have to be able to be strong. You have to be able to run pretty fast, and you need to be able to go 
uh, pills and you need to have really decent grip strength. So there's all of these different things that you need to practice. Um, and so I don't get bored. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and oh, and you have to be able to effectively throw a spear. Clearly, yes. You have to because if you don't land the spear, then you're doing 30 burpees and nobody wants to do that mid race. So you need to be able <laughs> to throw a spear. And that's just a really fun thing to practice. I mean, who doesn't want to do that? Oh, yeah. It's like channeling your native, uh, well, your inner native, I guess. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And everyone listening, like, seriously, go and, and look at Steph's profile. I mean, the pictures are, are phenomenal. They're inspiring. It, it's different. I mean, what were you doing this morning? You had a video. Were you doing burpees? Rock, thanks. Yeah, I was doing, those were all really sweet things you just said. So I want to thank you. Thank you for that. It was nice. Um, I was doing burpee pull-ups. Burpee pull-ups. I yeah. mean, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, it, it, it's, it's no joke, people. Like I, I've, I've, develop such a respect for this sport and I've not even done one um I'm sure after I do one I'll be like completely humbled humiliated and intrigued further um because this is so cool but if anybody digs the training like if you go check it out or you're intrigued based on what Brock has said anybody who responds to me and says that they heard on the podcast about the training I'll send each of you a sample workout and you can check it out yourselves that's awesome. Okay. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. I think people would totally dig that. Like yeah. people need more variety. They really do. Like, uh, anyway, well, I want to get started on that. Okay. I want to get, I want to get more into, um, FitLink media and your yeah. businesses and being a woman in business, which you're in a space that's very male dominated. And I want to touch on that in our yeah. remaining time. So how did you start these businesses around fitness? Let's hear the journey there because you're an incredible entrepreneur. Well, thank you. So my business partner um, is an incredible entrepreneur as well as an incredible racer. He's been um, in the top in the entire world for Spartan. Um, is just a lifelong athlete as well and had been successful in obstacle course racing before I'd ever even done my first one. He was years ahead of me, um, basically started the sport when it started five or six years ago or whatever it was when it started to blow up. Um, and one of the things that athletes can run into, so training is intense and it's super necessary and it's very hard to, and it's also expensive to race. I mean, you have to pay for the entries and plane tickets and you have to stay somewhere and you need specific nutrition and you need a lot of time in your life to dedicate to training, which can take away from work, um, so we started recognizing in obstacle course racing, there were all these phenomenal athletes wanting to compete and they didn't have any help. I mean, there's just, there's no money in obstacle course racing. Yeah. Um, so we decided that we wanted to do our part by helping um, with our business acumen to help them get sponsorship, help them get nutrition or gear or, you know, a little bit of money to go to races, or if they were signing contracts with certain brands, helping them get a better deal um, that would favor the athlete a little bit more over the corporation. So it started that way and it's just kind of grown and we've grown the business FitLink Media. You can find us on Instagram in that way as well. Um, we've grown the business based on feedback from the obstacle course racing community, what it is that they're lacking, what they need more of. Um, so when they sign up with us, they get consultations and sponsorship, um, social media, digital marketing, brand building, um, ways of posting better and presenting themselves in a better way that's more attractive to sponsors 
growing their following and they get a consultation in nutrition. So we talk them through all these different spaces and sort of help educate them um, so they can represent themselves in a better way. And then we also have um, athlete pages that we offer, which is sort of like a digital fitness card, <laughs> like a business yeah. card. Um, it's after it was created after the old baseball cards where you can go and look at pictures of the athlete and their stats for the year, the races that they did, who their sponsors were, and then their background, where they come from, what sport they're from, what they're, you know, what they're up to. So helping, helping them present in a more professional way and get a little bit more help. We're doing our part to grow the sport and support the people in it. It's really cool. It, yeah. And I would, I would highly recommend everyone to go check that out. It's fitlinkmedia.com. You can see kind of how they feature their athletes. Um, it's beautiful. It's very, very well put together. And I know firsthand growing up in the mountain bike racing worlds and, you know, eventually moving up to the very elite levels, like it doesn't matter how good you are. Like yeah. in, in certain, like you need to be able to sell yourself. Like you yeah. need to be able to, know how to pursue sponsors because it does get unless you're just independently wealthy and you're just doing it for a goof like yeah. you need to learn this stuff so um stuff i think i think what we're going to absolutely do we'll probably do for everyone listening we're going to do like a joint facebook live or instagram live very soon where we just go into like detail detail about how how the average person that's an athlete or weekend warrior or trail runner or whatever, or OCR athlete can start to just do some simple tweaks to yeah. enhance their, their attention. Cause it is about attention at the end. Um, so I, I I'm, I'm super pumped for that. Are, yeah. are you down to do that still? Totally. I would love to do that. I mean, super happy. And the, the tip that we always like to give everybody is that you're not going to get it unless you ask for it. So the first thing you can practice doing is just asking for things. Cause a lot of times, uh, people will be willing, but we would love to help you dial in how you're asking for those things, how you're presenting yourselves and, and really simple ways that you can make yourself more attractive um, and up your chances for getting those sponsorships or a little bit of help. Uh, we're huge advocates for a healthy lifestyle and growing your fitness brand. So yeah, I'd love to answer questions. Oh, it's awesome. It's, it's going to be so good. And seriously, guys, like from as a business owner in the outdoor space, I can tell you there's never been more opportunity for athletes and yeah. influencers to yeah. secure compensation and money and free products because like big companies and brands, especially in the, in the fitness space, like we recognize now that influencers are more effective than paying for a commercial, like give me a break. It, totally. It's like it's so effective and um uh, anyway it, it's yours for the taking so i, I just, i'm so excited for everybody to to jump on that next one when we do it it'll be huge um so let's let's um let's go back to kind of the business and I, and i want you to just touch on how does it feel to be in the space as a woman and i know you've had some struggles with that and i know you've come out victorious still but love for the ladies that are out there uh facing a similar challenge you know talk to us a little bit about that um well it's a daily pursuit and it's it's daily lessons it's daily discipline it's a good practice for me and not 
I guess getting butt hurt and turning my back on or not participating in um, business in general. I think for women, you know, you hear it all the time. If I stand next to a guy shoulder to shoulder in a room and I'm more qualified than he is, he's still probably going to get hired over me and he's definitely going to get paid more than me. And that's just a fact in, in the world right now for 90% of us, probably the percentage is higher than that. Don't, don't Google that. I didn't, I just said that. So, but yeah, yeah. yeah, being a woman in business, being a female entrepreneur, there are some unique and specific challenges to that. And then being an entrepreneur in sports is even harder. I mean, let's get real. Like the, what was it? I think it was 72 or around there. Um, that's when women were allowed to register for the Boston Marathon because ahead of that, there was the same person who told women how much they out of way also spread the rumor that if you ran a marathon, your uterus could fall out, which so really crazy. blows my mind. So design tennis skirts. So I'm just fucks me up. But the so point crazy. is that this is, I mean, what a horribly antiquated way of thinking that still exists today, not in that specific manner, but it does. So Women in sport are, that's much newer than men in sport. It's a male dominated industry, 100%. And sometimes it can be really tough to get a word in edgewise. If the idea comes out of my mouth, nobody listens. If the idea comes out of maybe my business partner's mouth, it's probably going to be heard in a more open way. Um, so there are times when that can be difficult. <laughs> It can be challenging to feel comfortable asserting yourself in that space um, when you're kind of hanging out in, in a boys club, which blows my sure. mind because it's just, that's not the way of it. And I don't, I don't get it. And I think a lot of it, I don't even think it's intentional at all. And that's the part where I have to discipline myself that I realize that's kind of the way that it is a lot of times. Nobody's doing it on purpose. They're not like winking at each other like, screw that girl. She doesn't know what she's talking about, but the messaging is still there and the energy is still there. Um, so yeah, that can be, that can be challenging and it can be super frustrating at times. Infuriating. I think I use that word. <laughs> so do you have like, um, and I mean to put you on the spot and if you can't think of something, no worries, but like any specific examples of where you're just like, what the hell, this is, this is not right. This is a, a bad situation. Like this is, I guess for lack of a better word, discriminatory, like, have you, do you, can you think of an example where you've kind of been in one of those situations? Yeah, it's constant. I would actually like to bring you along with me to observe walking around at a race and the difference okay. between how the women are treated and how the men are treated and the things that go on. And I, I'm not even talking about obstacle course racing. That's just kind of life in general. Like same in a boardroom. That's just not my space. Um, mm -hmm. So I would be out at a race or I, and it, it's something, I mean, it can be as simple as just not being included in a conversation. It's like being allowed to stand there and then being asked yes or no questions or questions of agreement, but not truly being connected with around actual opinion or experience. So I can say, uh, okay, I hear what you're saying, but I don't know. I don't think that's right. Like, I think there's a better way to do that. Even yeah. if I'm mumbling that in my head, even if I say that out loud, it's not going to be accepted well. It's not going to be heard. And then they might say, oh, yeah, well, what would you do? 
well, they're still going to do the other thing most of the time. So, and these are, you have to understand this is coming from my perspective, what I'm observing, how I'm watching everything go down. Um, but you do, you're just kind of, you're not the first person consulted. Usually, um, if it's your idea, it kind of falls flat. And then maybe, you know, your male counterpart suggests it and people are excited about it. Far fewer people know that I'm attached to the business than my male business partner. It's all, it's things like that, that you probably mostly females are only going to have that feedback and that perspective because it's happening to us. It's happening all the time. That's really interesting. And like, I don't know, like, like it really does blow my mind. And, and I had, I had a wonderful podcast guest uh, on a couple episodes ago. And, and we, we talked a lot about this. Like, I don't know if it's just that I live in, California that's pretty liberal and a little more progressive and like to me like it's just straight like let's just say for me in my opinion like women are just straight up smarter than dudes like oh. <laughs> I just think I just think it's changing so much um so when I when I hear it, it is but like it, I still know there's parts of the country mm-hmm. that it is completely reversed and it it just effing blows my mind like it really does and I don't know. Like, I, I just want to be as big of a supporter as possible because, I mean, I've been blessed to be around females that just kick ass. Like, and I'll tell you this, this is a really funny story real quick. When I first got into ultra running, I did my first 50 K um, kind of more on a goof. Like I was still cycling, but I was like, Oh, let me just try this. And <laughs> I love I, like, you. <laughs> I went out like super hard and like staying with the top 10 till mile 22. And then I puked everywhere. Couldn't keep food down. Aww. And so suffice to say those last 10 miles were like just death. <laughs> like yeah. I'm in, I'm in the desert of Moab, Utah. There's no shade. I'm dying. Aww. And like this girl that looked bigger than me. Cause I'm like all of 150. Um, like didn't look as strong or didn't look as like, like lean and like, like one of the top 10 dudes just blows by me, like yeah. not even breathing. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, just try to make a goal to go to the next tree. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, mumbling shit under my breath. Like, I hate you. And she just passes me. But like, I have seen it particularly in ultra running. Like in most cases, like the women are, are stronger than the men or just as fast. And there's been a lot of things around like uh, awards and, and, and stuff this year that's really come out because it, it was discriminatory in so many ways. And women are starting to stand up at least in that space and be like, no, this is not right. I think there's actually, um, I might actually be able to qualify this for you. I read something recently where they're talking about women are more effective over longer distances than men. It just is, it is what it is. And I know that that's true about me and my racing. I really like to sit back and run at a slower pace, but man, I can suffer really, really hard for a really long time. I get into that grind and the further I am into the race, the, the better and the more efficient I become. Um, and in OCR, you're seeing that where women are just dominating men in the sport. And I don't yeah. think just any man who comes out and runs, I'm talking about you know, really amazing athletes. And these women are standing shoulder to shoulder with them and 
for those of you who don't know in OCR, when a, when a female passes a male, we call it getting chipped. So, <laughs> and I just had a pretty great experience with that. I ran, um, the OCR uh, North American championships in Stratton, Vermont, and it was on a mountain and the race. So it's four races in three days. There's, there's three races and then a charity race, which rounds out the weekend that everybody runs. Um, so it's a really tough week weekend of racing and it's on a mountain and they start the race out by running us three miles straight up this mountain. Wow. Like nothing else. There was no, you know, there was no switchbacks. There was no wind arounds. You went straight up the mountain and you didn't stop. So yeah. I get to the top of the mountain and it's like, oh my gosh, now I get to run down. I'm really great at running down a mountain. And I'm just flying past, like bombing past men who are some of them <laughs> laying down on the side of the trail. And I have to tell you, I don't want to see any athlete laying down during a race or, you know, being slow. I'm not happy yeah. to see people underperformed or whatever it is but I felt really empowered and really good by that it's like your heat left at least 15 minutes before mine maybe more and (laughs) I'm going 50 miles an hour down this mountain and you're eating you know a cliff bar so you know there is there is something in that where there's like a little extra edge and being like man I passed that guy or I got something over on it but that totally speaks to um I guess the psychology of what at least me as a woman is dealing with in the world where you just feel a little bit shrugged off um, sometimes, especially I think when it comes to business and then in sport, man, these women are just kicking ass and I love watching them do it. It's incredible. Oh, it really is. It's, it's super cool. And I, I think we're in a very awesome period of change and I see it only getting better. And Agreed. I- I want to say thank you for taking some arrows because I, I know you've, you've been one of them. So we'll do this again in 10 years, like we said. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. See how things are looking. Um, what are some of your top initiatives for this next year, Stephanie Quinn? What, are you, what, do, you, what do you have your eyes on? What are so, some cool things you're way, excited Way about? back in like the beginnings of my life, I did a few triathlons and my mom actually did her first triathlon sprint with my aunt and my uncle, her brother and sister this past summer. Um, and they won for their age group. And that inspired me. I was like, all right, that's it. I would like to do a couple of triathlons this year. My first sport was swimming. Um, I started okay. swimming really young and I was really good at it. I was just never passionate about it. So I didn't it didn't stick. Um, but I'm still pretty good at it. So I'd like to get back into that and find new ways of pushing myself. I'd like to do a sky race this year. I have not done that yet. Awesome. And then remind me what the one, I don't even know if you're going to know, what is it like the Red Bull 500? What is it where you basically run right up the ski slope? Oh, yes. And people, uh, like, it's like a incredible. 40% incline and people are vomiting everywhere and rolling down the hill. Like, I cannot wait. There's one in Iron Mountain, Michigan this summer, and I'm in that rate. Like, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Th- those are incredible. They did one at the uh, Winter Sports Park in Park City, Utah, I think was one oh, of the yeah. first ones. Yeah, and I was I blown away. Video. I was like, this is so badass. I, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> It's like, ridiculous, guys. It's like misery beginning. Straight to up. They have the videos on YouTube. If you're bored sitting at your desk or in front of your computer right now, like do yourself a favor and click over and watch a couple minutes of this stuff. It's, I mean, it's just a, a thankless 
misery pursuit is all the races. <laughs> it's over pretty quickly, but man, who doesn't want to say they did that? So yeah, things like that. My, my main initiative and main goal and everything is just to continue working really hard, um, working really hard at everything at myself, trying to be a better human being, learn as much as I can and push my physical limits because it turns me on. I love it. It's fun. And I like the feeling of accomplishment and being able to point to something and say that I'm proud of myself for that. And the community that I'm immersed in is incredible. And I wouldn't want to do it without all of you amazing athletes who inspire me every day. Mm, it's so good. It's so good. I am thinking back on our, our hour here and there's just like, there's so many takeaways. It's ridiculous. So I hope everybody <laughs> digs in, maybe re-listens to this episode. We'll have some show notes uh, as we post it. We'll have uh, links to some of the respective websites we've talked about. Make sure you guys follow Steph and her journey with everything. And then uh, keep an eye out as we do like a Facebook or Instagram live. We'll make some announcements on that to kind of get into some practical ways everyday athletes or even elite athletes can kind of sell themselves better and obtain yeah. more sponsorships and just win. So I'm excited about that. I'm super pumped about it. So Steph, thank you so, so much for joining us. I really appreciate you today. Thanks, Brock. Thanks for having me. And I hope it wasn't too awkward and that I said something good here and there. <laughs> I don't know. Super awesome. 100%. So thank you guys so much for listening and we will see everyone on the next episode. Thanks. Thanks, Brock. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Hey guys, one last thing, Brock here again. I hope you genuinely enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed talking to Steph. And I hope there's some big takeaways for you guys. A lot about reinvention, I think, in this episode. A lot about just being yourself. And also a lot about just asking those that are close in your life for honest and real feedback because sometimes those close around us can see things that we might be a little bit blind to. So I also just wanted to let everyone know that we are planning to do a Facebook and Instagram live to talk about how athletes can secure more sponsorships and really just sell themselves better, become top influencers, or just maybe secure a few bucks for the races that they're trying to do. So stay tuned on that, you guys. And I just wanted to thank you again so much for your time and attention for listening. We'll see you guys on the next episode.